We hear a lot of perspectives on the Mankind Podcast. Inclusion of a guest is not an endorsement of their views, and the opinions expressed here do not always represent the mission or values of the Mankind Project USA. This is Captain Tom Rowland, and you're listening to the Mankind Podcast. Welcome to the Mankind Podcast, the show where we break the molds of modern manhood to prove to you that there is more than just one way to be a man. I'm your host, Brandon Clifton. Today's episode is all about how to answer your life's calling. Now, I want you to think back to one of the very earliest questions you would have been asked as a child. What do you dream of becoming when you grow up? Now, answers will always vary, but of course, we remember the answers that come with the most grandeur. Right, We hear these little kiddos scream, I want to be an astronaut or a fireman, I want to be president or I want to play in the NFL and, you know, gosh, not, not sure where my head was at, but I remember distinctly yelling out, I want to be a lion, <laughs> which kudos to my parents, they, they didn't even bother correcting me on the biological impossibilities of that one, you know, gotta love mum and dad for never standing in the way of a kid's dream. <laughs> But you know, as adults, we revel at the opportunity to see these little souls light up when we ask this question and watch their little creative minds start to imagine and dream at night of floating in space among the stars or blasting flames with a giant fire hose. And of course, you know, we could never imagine telling that small child that, you know, an astronaut, well, mate, that's not very likely or, or becoming a fireman. Well, you may not make a lot of money doing that. And, you know, I hope at least for my children's sake, I hope they never feel pressured from an early age to be realistic or even worse, follow my path just because it's the path I chose. Yet we see time and time again from men with whom I've sat in circle with, they share with me that, you know, they've gone down a path that they never felt was actually theirs. That in fact, the path they went down wasn't even their choice because it was a path that their parents, their culture, their community or greater society told them was the smart, safe, and expected path to take. Now, this I've seen, and and many of us in in the work have seen, this leads to men spending less time enjoying their lives today and now, and more time asking themselves, well, what if? You know, what if I became a fireman when I was younger? Maybe I'd be happier and have more of a sense of purpose. Or what if I went against my parents' wishes and traveled abroad instead of going to college right out of high school? Maybe I'd be more content with my life. This is what we call textbook regret. And as you're about to learn from today's guest, Captain Tom Rowland, regret is one of life's greatest curses. And the only way to tackle that regret head on is to answer the calling to your life's greatest desires. So if you've ever asked yourself these very questions and know deep down that there is so much more that you want to test, taste, try and experience in life, you are going to love this episode. And before we get into it, let me tell you about Captain Tom Rowland. He is an American television host of the Saltwater Experience and multiple other productions, including the Tom Rowland podcast. He is a serial entrepreneur, fresh and saltwater fishing guide, and a health and fitness fanatic. I'm telling you, this bloke's not many people over, over the age of 50 can do what this guy can do. Not many people over the age of 20 can do what this guy can do with his body. Now, he's received numerous awards, including the inaugural ESPN Great Outdoor Games Gold Medal in Fly Fishing. And above all else, he'll tell you he's proudest of being a husband and father of three. 
Now, back to that toughness. I mean, this dude is tough. Tom subjects himself to daily rigorous mental and physical challenges, including Wim Hof breath practices and CrossFit workouts, in addition to regular obstacle and fitness challenges, the most oppressive of all being the 50-hour Navy SEAL Crucible, the SEAL Fit Kokoro Challenge. So yeah, I don't really know about you, but 50 hours of cold ocean water, extreme chafing and arduous physical and mental beatdowns isn't my idea of a great time, but you know, Tom seems to get a great deal from it. So, uh, so guys, in this episode, Tom shares not only how to find your life's calling, but also the attitude and mindset required to give it your best shot at success. And we also take some time to talk about the importance of knowing who your true friends are and how your inner circle will directly impact your trajectory in life. I mean, everything from how to give your gifts to the world and leaving a legacy, this episode, I'm telling you, is loaded with fantastic gems for an exciting and passion-filled life. So my friends, I want to honor you for being here today, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Captain Tom Rowland. That's enough from me, mate. I'd love for you to take, take a moment, introduce yourself to our audience, and uh, we'll get this thing underway. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My name is Tom Rowland. I uh, own a business called SE Multimedia. We produce television shows. We produce three um, outdoor shows. One's called Saltwater Experience. Another is called End of the Blue and another is called Sweetwater. And those are on, a couple of them are on Discovery Channel, uh, Sportsman's Channel, Fox Sports, um, and uh, other networks as well as a digital network called Waypoint TV. Um, Saltwater Experience is the one that I'm on. It's been on the air for 17 years and uh, End of the Blue is probably about 12 and Sweetwater is maybe going on about eight, I think. So a lot of TV work. Um, we started a digital network called Waypoint TV, which is the one I mentioned that our shows are on. Everything that uh, was once newspaper is now written content and blogs. Everything that was radio is now podcasts. Everything that was once conventional television is now streaming video. So that's what Waypoint is, uh, just a, an evolution of all of that, mostly for the hunter and fisherman in the world. And uh, we have about, we make about 6 million impressions a week over there with the social media, the video streaming, the podcast network, all kinds of stuff. So that's pretty exciting. Um, we've got a charter service down in the Florida Keys. And for uh, over 20 years, I was a guide in the Florida Keys. And before that, I was a guide, uh, fly fishing guide out in Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho. So in some very crazy route, I went from being a fishing guide to producing television shows. <laughs> it's an un- unlikely path. Well, you know, and I, and I can see that there's a, there's a central theme there that, uh, you know, has a lot to do with just the outdoors and getting in touch with nature. So first things first, I want to ask you is like, what is it, what does it mean to you? I mean, you've got your, your hands in so many different pies here with, you know, with the, with the different TV networks and, and with your own show. But what does it mean for you to just be in nature and uh, and actually have that be a part of you know your profession? Well, that's really what it's all about. I mean, that's the driving force behind everything that we do. And we're I was lucky enough, and when I reference we, me, and I have a partner, Rich Tudor, uh, we were both fishing guides. We were very um, lucky to have gone down that path and been fishing guides. It was something I'm very proud of. It was a 
big part of my life. And, um, you know, when you're doing that, I mean, when I say a fishing guide, a lot of people might not understand that in the Florida Keys, you can fish 365 days a year. It is a, it is a place. I lived in Key West. That is a place that is driven by tourism. So you have business 365 days a year if you want. Of course, you're going to have some weather, but I was working over 300 days a year for 10 years in a row. And so when you're working those kind of days and that much time on the water, you really, it, it, you become it and it becomes you. Like you are a part of it. You are a part of your natural world like very few people um, today get to experience. I mean, you are in tune with the weather. You're in tune with the tides. You're in tune with the fish. You're in tune with the birds. You're in tune with everything. Everything is, um, you're just part of that natural rhythm. And that's a, that's a great thing. I mean, it really is. And I feel very blessed to have, to have done that for, for so long because before that I was doing it in Wyoming, Idaho. And, um, you know, being outside is, has been very meaningful to me. I've raised my children in that, in that environment. Um, and, uh, the outdoors has just always been, you know, no, I wouldn't say always, but for my professional life, it's been everything. And so now, you know, we take that enthusiasm and that passion for the outdoors and we try to um, communicate that to others through television, through film work, through podcasts, through written content and, um, and have other people learn from, from our experiences and, and experience it for themselves. Yeah, fantastic. And, and, you know, I, I can just hear through your story, you know, the relationship you've been able to build, you know, with your kids and the outdoors and allow a big part of your life to also be an influence for them as well. And I know that your boys have gone and done uh, NOLS mm-hmm. uh, as well, which uh, remind me of the acronym. Uh, National Outdoor Leadership School. Yeah, my younger son did that. He went to um, Alaska and, and did a great course there. NOLS is, is a phenomenal organization mm. my other son my older son he did a uh, a wilderness emt course through Knowles as well um and and they've done all kinds of stuff i mean my my oldest son has been a an elk hunting guide he's um you know they're both very good fishermen um they're you know my younger one did the Knowles course my daughter did some moon dance class or uh camp kind of things where you go and and it's kind of a little bit of a toned down version of Knowles um but she's only 16 so she's getting there um but yeah all of them have embraced the the outdoors and uh it I don't, I don't know that they had a choice I mean it was just part of the deal I mean it wasn't like it wasn't like forced upon them it was just like that's just what we do like we just go outside and we do things outside and and that that seems like a pretty cool legacy to pass on to your kids because you know now the ball's in their court they can choose what they want to do with that and right. I know it was really important for you. You know, a big part of this was growing up fishing with your dad. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that uh, that definitely got it started, and and it was a uh, it was a, a huge influence. And um, you know, that was kind of the seed that was planted when I was a, a very young kid. And then it wasn't really until um, I don't know college that I got kind of lost. And you go, I think sometimes when you get lost, you you seek your most comfortable place. And maybe my most comfortable place was fishing. 
you know, and, and um, that led me to go out West for the first time in Yellowstone National Park. Mm. Now that, that, that gives us, that, that helps kind of tie in the beginning of this journey because we know where you are now, but you know, that, that, that moment to decide to actually go out West and not, not a lot of people around you. Um, you know, you're from Chattanooga, Tennessee. My dad's from Chattanooga, Tennessee. You know, a big part of his journey was, you know, actually not following the path that his dad wanted him to follow. Right. And, 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 and so he went to Hilton Head and jumped on a boat and took off. Right. <laughs> and then was then next, you know, 10 years of sailing. And so, um, you know, what was that moment like for you to actually decide to go west? Or what was running through your head? Well, first of all, your dad was a big influence on me in that way. He was the only person that I ever saw do something like that. Um, Chattanooga is a very um, conservative place. Most people just, if, if you have a family business to go into, you just grow up and you do the family business. If, if that's not what you did, you kind of grew up, went to college and, and did, you know, whatever, very conventional type things. You got your job and you lived in a, in a suburb and, you know, it's just kind of a very conventional type of path. And your dad was the first one that I ever saw that bucked that trend. And, uh, it, it made me kind of think, hmm, that's interesting. Even as, you know, I was like eight, you know, your dad's a little bit older than me, but and I'm seeing this and I'm like, he's not doing what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. So that was always planted in, in my head. And I've told him before, like, that was part of it. And he's like, oh, no, there's no way, you know, or thanks for saying that. But, you know, I don't think he believes me, but it was, it was part of it. I, it, I noticed that. And uh, he was doing things different than other people, whether it was good or bad or indifferent. He was doing things different. It made me kind of think that that is possible. Right. Yeah. So in college, I got kind of lost. I, I, I didn't want to be there. I didn't um, enjoy much about college. Honestly, I, uh, you know, started partying you get lost. You're hanging out with a with a crowd of people that is that is got um, you know the priorities are all mixed up at that point in your life, and just felt like you know this is not me. This is not me. And I saw this one guy that went to Yellowstone. Well, I didn't know what happened to him, but he came back and his hair was longer and he was different and he was wearing different kind of clothes and he was kind of hanging on the outskirts of the party instead of right in the middle. And I was like, man, what happened to you this summer? It's like, man, I went to Yellowstone and it was so cool. I just saw, you know, I could do this job and you could go hiking and backpacking. And I didn't even know what Yellowstone was really. I mean, I might've seen it in National Geographic magazine, but like, well, whatever you got, that's what I want. And so I suffered through that school year, but that next summer, I got a job out there and I, I, I got the job like in probably in January. I mean, I started applying early. I knew that's what I wanted. A couple of guys went out there with me um, and it didn't quite have the same impact on them. It had a big impact on them, but not quite the same as, as on me. But, uh, and I just got out there and I was, it was all about it. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that's awesome. And, you know, I think that there's something to that, that, that moment to kind of pursue the calling is a really scary decision to make because mm-hmm. coming from a place and I'll just speak from my experience, the most lost I've been in my life, that's for me. And this is just me when making decisions was the hardest mm-hmm. where, where the risks, the risks almost seemed higher than, than ever mm-hmm. than if it was even on a path. Mm-hmm. And, but I, but I've learned in, in my journey that I've got to try, I've got to listen to it at least and, yeah. and see what might be there. And so 
you make it out to, to Yellowstone and you start guiding and, and, and well, I didn't start guiding right away. I, I worked in Yellowstone. Then I thought, man, I love this so much. I'm going to live in a national park for the rest of my life and clean toilets. And then I was perfectly happy with that. I mean, I was yeah. really happy there. I loved it. I thought that's what I was going to do. And there were some other people that were doing that. Like there were people there that, that went to Yellowstone. They never left. They're still there today. And they, you know, have, have jobs like they're made you know, in the summertime or maybe, maybe they're a restaurant worker or whatever. And in the, in the wintertime, they, they drive the snow coach and um, they just live there. I mean, there are people that live in our national parks uh, full time and they, they have basically checked out. I mean, as, as of society, but they've checked in to what they really want to do. And it was very close for me uh, to, to want to do that. But somewhere along the line, I decided that I wanted to go to Alaska. I didn't want to be in Yellowstone the next year. I wanted to go to Alaska. And I had this crazy idea that I was going to go to Alaska and work in a fish cannery. And my dad thought that was tough. <laughs> you know? So anyway, in his way, he, he sent me this little, this little clip. It was about two inches by two inches. And it said, uh, you know, Western Rivers Professional Guide School. Um, you know, start date January or June first uh, or whatever, and he just taped it to a yellow piece of of paper, trifold, you know, legal pad. Sent it to me in his way, and he's like, "Would you rather do this instead?" And uh, so I was like, "Man, I could be a fishing guide. That'd be that's my dream, you know." And so he sent me to that camp, and that's that's what really started everything. It was a camp. It was a school, and it was a week long school. And I got hired by the guy that was running the school right after it. And uh, ended up working for him for seven summers. And that was my start to the fishing career. Um, and, and when I started there, I thought it was a summer job. And a couple of years in, I thought, this is the coolest summer job you could ever have. And there were some people around me that were like raising families. And, and I kind of had this feeling like, you know, this is a cool summer job, but I don't think you could ever raise a family like this. And then I meet these people that are raising families like that. I'm like, wow, this is a real job? Like everybody's asking me when I'm going to get a real job. I, I think I have a real job. I mean, I was making more money than most of my friends. I was uh, enjoying what I was doing. My dad comes out there and, and, you know, I got a pocket full of cash and he's like, well, is everything going all right? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I think it's going great. He's like, well, you just need to keep doing what you're doing, you know? And uh, he was very supportive like that. And, uh, and that meant a lot to me because I didn't know, I didn't know that this was a, I didn't know this was a path. I thought I was doing a summer job. I thought I was doing a summer job about 10 years into it. <laughs> and uh, turns out, you know, there is a career path to be had if you, if you work really hard at it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, how, are you a believer in that, you know, people really should be aligning, you know, at least finding some, some facet of their life that is simply reserved for just enjoyment and happiness? So they're not just thinking, oh, I'll be happy when I retire. Or I'll be happy when I get the raise. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the journey, right? Like if, yeah. you're, if, you're only, if you're only thinking about where you're going to end up, most people get there and they're like, man, I thought it was going to be better than this. You yeah. know, like I thought when I made $5 million, you know, all my problems were going to be solved and everything was going to be great. And turns out it's just another day. Mm. And, you know, for me, I think I'm very fortunate in that, that I love every part of the journey. I love the, 
And I love the day-to-day. I love every part of it. And I do what I do out of choice. I could still be guiding. I could choose to, you know, start these other businesses. I could do whatever I want to do. And, and I have been able to line things up very well for myself so that my driving passion is also how I make a living. But that doesn't have to be how it is for you. But I do think that you need a driving passion in your life that, that you are fulfilling, whether that is kind of as a hobby on the side or that's what you do on the weekends or this is kind of a startup kind of thing that you're, that you're working on outside of your business that's supplying you the money and the, and the, the, the way that you can make your living. But a lot of people ask me about, you know, I'm very unhappy in my job. All I want to do is to be a fishing guide or all I want to do is work in the marine industry. And, you know, I usually tell them, man, well, then you should be doing that. Like, okay, well, how do I do it? You just do it. Like I wrote an article one time and it was all about um, how to quit your job and be a fishing guide. And basically it said, you quit your job, you go to where there are fishing guides, you walk down the docks, you offer to do the worst job and you do that for free and you do it over and over again. You sleep in your car, you burn the boats, you decide this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. And you know what? Are you afraid that they're going to laugh at you when you get there? Yeah, of course they're going to laugh at you. You have no experience. You're, you don't even have a suntan. You're going to get sunburned in a minute. You know, you're a rookie. You're walking down this dock. Of course you're going to get laughed at. Yeah, they're going to laugh at you, but you're going to show up the next day and you're going to show up the next day. And each day you're going to make horrible mistakes. And each day you're going to learn valuable lessons. And one day the mate's not going to show up and you're going to be standing there and they're going to say, well, jump on. And when you get that chance, you be the best that you can possibly be and things start to happen. Doors start to open. And that's, that's the way it is in the fishing business. That's the way it is in any business. You got to pay your dues. You got to get out there and you got to, you've got to do the worst possible jobs and do them with a smile on your face with a great attitude. And you learn from the bottom up and things will happen for you. Or you decide that this isn't really what you wanted to do in the, in the first place. And when's a, be- when's a good time to find that out? At the beginning of the journey or 20 years in, right? Like you, you, if you don't like it now, chances are you're not going to like it in 10 years. So, you know, um, I, I don't know. I give a lot of people that, that advice of, you, you know, you got to do it. Living your life in regret is a terrible way to live your life. Mm. It's a terrible feeling. It doesn't have anything, nothing positive is going to come out of that. Yeah. If you knew in your heart that you had what it took to, to go and take advantage of a situation and you didn't do it, you're going to live for the rest of your life in regret. Mm. It's a terrible way to live your life. So even if you go and you try and you fail, at least you tried. And you know that in your heart and you can go on and you can move on and you can leave that chapter of your life behind. I wanted to be a fishing guide. You know, I tried it. It's really hard. And now I'm perfectly happy with my choice to return home and to the family business or whatever. It's on your terms. You're happy. That's the big difference between that and somebody going, you know what, man? could have made it like, like Napoleon Dynamite's uncle, yeah. you know, like, 
you live your life like that, it's a horrible way to live your life. You don't want to, you don't want to be in regret. So, you know, I just, I see that a lot that people, Mm. they want to do it and they're, they're just wavering back and forth. Should I, should I, it's like, what are you afraid of, man? Mm. Like you got to just jump. And, you know, to that point as well, you know, in my line of work and in working with people, it's all around helping them bring out their gifts and give it to the world. And, and, and for, you know, for some people I meet, they're like, yep, I'm burning the ships. I'm going to do it. You know, let's go. But then I talk to others and they're like, well, man, you know, I'm a partner in this firm and I've got kids and I've got, you know, all these responsibilities. And the, the thing that comes up that, that comes up in my mind and the thing I generally share is like, so you're going to do nothing with it then? Mm-hmm. Like, so if it's, say it's fishing, it's like, well, when's the last time you just went fishing? Like it doesn't, sometimes it, I, I feel like it doesn't have to be the big thing if, if, if it's going to be a sacrifice to your relationship and your responsibilities, but at least dip your toe in the water and, and make it a part of your life. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's like a, an either or, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be an either or you can have both. Yeah. And, um, I have, I have friends that, that do all kinds of different things. And, and, you know, there, there are certain people that really want to, you know, be a fishing guide or whatever, and they're willing to give up everything mm. in their life to go and pursue this, this dream that they've had mostly because they can't imagine not doing it. Right. That's one thing. It's another thing to be in that situation. Like you're, you're talking about where, where you're, you've worked real hard to get to this place in your life. And there are a lot of things that are, that are coming from, that are very rewarding, that are coming from what you've created. You, you're a lawyer. You work at a law firm. You're making plenty of money. You're able to give your children an education that you can be proud of. You're, gonna, you're able to uh, live in a safe and clean place for your family. You're able to provide all kinds of things for your children, for your wife, for your family, um, you know, and get them the education that they need. That's great. That's going to fulfill tremendous amounts of, of things in your life. But you still have this itch that you need to do something. Like you need to give your gift. What is your gift? Maybe your gift is, maybe, maybe, maybe your gift is that uh, you want to donate your time or you want to help people or you want to um, do something along those lines. Well, sometimes it's best to look at what your gifts are and how you can do the best job. Like, like if you really want to help people, say, say you know, something that we talked about this morning, you're in logistics, right? So somebody knows how to, how to make trucks run on time, how to get things to places at the right time. That's what they do for a business, but they have this burning desire to help people. So, you know, on the one hand, they're like, man, I just want to quit my career and I just want to help people. I want to create a homeless shelter and I just want to help people. Well, there's a lot of people that can serve soup at the, at the, at the soup line, right? And maybe that's where you're getting tremendous satisfaction out of actually hands-on helping people. But you got skills, man. You've got skills to where you can help them solve the problems that they're having. They can't get food to the shelter. You're a logistics person. You can help them with that. Like now you've solved that problem and you've made it much better for lots of people, not just the one person that you're serving. And you can still do that. And you can do this on a Saturday or you can do this on a Sunday and you can continue to have your career. 
but you are you are you are nurturing your passion. You are nurturing your your uh, feeling of need for contribution, right? And so, for somebody, it might be that. For another person, it might be something else. But you know, sometimes sometimes it's great to burn the boats and 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 do exactly what you want. But other times, it's like, you know, how can I help the most people? Like, if I did better in my career, could I donate? $250,000 next year instead of $1,000 next year? Like, how can I make the biggest impact on the world? And some, for some people, it is to quit everything and, and go for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so long as it's not doing nothing, I think <laughs> is the, the thing we're, we're getting, getting around to is, you know, the big impact. But so I think it, it's easy to go, well, until I can give, give the, make the big impact, I'm not going to do anything. Right. And, and, you know, that, like you're saying, you know, like nurturing that, that kind of gift or, you know, those embers, just stoking them and keeping them alive. And even if it's just the smallest thing, it's amazing well, how it keeps the wind in the sails. That that's the defeat of many dreams is, you know, if I can't do it big, I'm not going to do it at all where it only gets big through small actions taken regularly. Like that's how things grow. And so you know, if you never get started, it's probably never going to happen. So I don't know, got to get started. Absolutely. And so, you know, to, to get to this, this stage in your life, Tommy, I'm sure there's been, you know, a lot of periods of immense success, huge highs, but of course, with that come really low lows. And this morning over coffee, when we were chatting, you were, you were telling me about, you know, there, there are people who, uh, that are afraid of failure, but the, the thing that I, that you tackled with as you were going through your journey till now was the fear of success Yeah, and how, <laughs> and how the, uh, you know, the influences of others was, was, was having a play on that. So give, give us some insights into to kind of that experience and, and what you were able to learn through that process. Well, I think, you know, when, when I was happen when, when that was kind of happening to me, the fear of success was an unknown to me. Like, how can you have fear of success? Everybody wants success, right? Like, but there is a fear of success because sometimes maybe you are a little more driven than the people that you're surrounding yourself with. And that was the, that was the case, I think, with, uh, with the people that, that I was surrounded by. And, you know, you're everybody's friend when you're, when you're, getting third place or fourth place or, or you're just participating in, you know, in this case, it was a fishing term and something else. It could be, it could be something else. It could be work. You know, you're, you're a top performer, but you're not the top performer. And then things start changing when, when your dreams and, and you start acting on your dreams and you start doing really well and you're the top performer this week and next week and the next week after that, and nobody can touch you. You're doing great. Well, a lot of the people that were the closest to you before, man, they had enough of that. They don't want to, I mean, like it was congratulations week one, week two. It's like, dang, man, what are you doing? Week three, it's like, man, that guy's a jackass. And then, you know, week four, they won't talk to you. Week five, you know, yeah. you, you're, they're not your friend. Meanwhile, you keep going and, and, you know, other people are not happy for you. And so, if that happens to you once, it's real easy to go, man, what happened? I had all these friends here and you back off of the, of the drive 
at work and all of a sudden your friends all come back. But those aren't your friends, man. Those are people that don't want the best for you. Those are people that are jealous and would rather tear you down than see you be successful. And, you know, occasionally people have those kind of people in their life. And occasionally they're the closest people to you. Sometimes it's your friends and family, unfortunately. And, and that's a really hard thing because you start looking at, I know what it takes to be successful. It takes hard work. I'm going to have to work harder than I've ever worked. I'm going to have to make these sacrifices. I'm not going to be going to the parties. I'm not going to be, you know, um, doing the things that I'm going to be doing. Instead of, instead of going to the parties, I'm going to be out working. I'm going to be out doing my homework. I'm going to be out pre-fishing, you know, like that's what I was doing. I would go out and fish. So I knew what I was going to do on the, on the uh, tournament, you know, and, and preparing and, and everything goes into preparing. So your social life goes out the window and those people are like, man, that guy, you know, all he wants to do is win tournaments now. Oh, yeah. well, Big yeah, shot. yeah, you're right. And, and, um, but you know what, there's a whole group of other friends that are out there that are happy for you to, to win. And you just don't know those people yet because you're stuck with a bunch of people that want to tear you down. And that fear of success torpedoes a lot of people because just when they start to do well, they lose some friends or their friends start acting differently towards them and they back off and they let the people around them influence their success or failure. And you know what? They're happier in mediocrity and failure because their friends are nicer to them, but those aren't their friends. Like that's a real fear. And that's something that I, I had a hard time, a real hard time with that. And still, even today it's hard to think about that. It's like, hmm, you know, I really enjoyed hanging out with those people and I still like them, but I was never going to get to another level with that mindset. And I just have to realize that, you know, if, if they're my friends, they're going to be happy for my success and my success can be very, very good for them too, because I want to bring them with me. Right. Yes. But they don't want to go. Mm -mm. So, and there are people like that. There's a lot of people like that. Yeah. So whatever, you know, you just have to make peace with it and move on. But that's way more difficult than just, than, than, than it sounds because it's full of emotion. You get in this, you get in this real weird place and, 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 and some of the loneliest times ever are when, when you're battling that. Like I know that if I do what I need to do to make my dreams come true, that this part of my life's not going to exist anymore. Yeah, and the letting that's go. tough, man. That's a tough thing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a split, right? You know, it's that, yeah. it's, that, it's that moment where there's sacrifice that, that needs to be made. And I think, yeah, I but think you know, on the other side of that though, you get to this other level and you start meeting other people that are more like you, like you are the top performer and you move on and you become the top performer and you get the, you get the promotion, you get the raise, you, you start fishing in other tournaments and all of a sudden you meet these other people that had to do what you did to get there. And of course it's a cycle. It all happens over again. You're going to get the people that are very comfortable in that situation. And then when you start to move to the next level, it's going to happen again. But eventually 
you know, you're going to find a couple people that are super happy for you. And you're going to find a couple of people that you're super happy for. And you guys are going to start working together. and You're going to be successful together. And you're going to be mm-hmm. friends for the rest of your life. But, uh, you know, it, there, there's, there's always those people on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. The, co- the company you keep, right? The, the company you keep with you. A friend of mine, um, she and I started our, our coaching businesses around the same time. And I remember a point where I was um, having a lot of fears and insecurities around putting myself out there. And she was just boom, boom, boom. Like, and she was just like, even if no one was watching, her camera was live and she was sharing her message. And I remember one day, I think I was just being petty and low and just down on myself and had this mindset, this fixed mindset of the way the world works. And she said, Brandon, I need to tell you this because I love you. My train is moving right now and I would love for you to jump on. But at no point do I slow down. Hmm. You know, either and, and, and if you don't jump on now, either get up to speed and, and jump See, on. It's the other way. Like she's the one that's 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 moving on and, and you have the choice mm-hmm. right there. Like, you know what, this is a positive train. Like this yeah. is this is in the direction that I want to go. What am I afraid of? Am I am I gonna am I afraid am I afraid of success? Because the fear of success will keep you from getting on that train. Yeah. Fear of failure, oh man. Fear of failure is easy. You don't want to fail? Okay, fine. Work hard. Don't fail. But the fear of failure also means, you know, you can go back to the growth mindset. When you've got a fear of failure, a lot of times that means won't, you don't take any risks, right? Like a lot of people do that. They, they have a fear of failure, so they make sure they won't fail. Well, how's the best way to make sure you won't fail? Well, obviously prepare and do well, but also don't take too many chances because, you know, what if you failed? then you'll be exposed to the world as a failure where the real successful people in this world fail every day, multiple times a day, all the time. And not only do they learn from their own failures, but they learn from the failures of others. And if they're smart, which some of them are, but some of them it take like me, it takes multiple failures in the same thing for it to get through my hard head to realize, wow, maybe I shouldn't do it that way. It's not just once, like <laughs> you gotta fail like a couple of times at the same thing before you're like, oh, okay, something's trying to tell me something here, <laughs> you know? But some people can do it once, like they fail once and they're like, okay, don't do that again. And they're, you know, they, they move a little faster than others. But, <laughs> you know. Have you heard it said, you know, if you fall from the failure tree, make sure to smack every branch on the way down. Oh yeah. Well, I've hit all of them many times. (laughs) Still climbing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm thinking back to what you said about, you know, if if something is really on your heart and and you're passionate about it and you know, it's something that you want to at least know if it's right, like know if it's for you to get it out of this hypothesis kind of, these are my words, of course, go down to the docks and say, give me the worst job. Just give me the worst job and work for free and, and just really get a taste for it. It just made me think about, you know, similar circumstance what you witnessed my dad go through dropped out of college and just went straight to Hilton Head and went to where all the yachts were and we just said just take me away from here I will do the worst jobs mm-hmm. and, he, and they said they said all right well you know I think one of the guys was like I don't know went out got too drunk didn't turn up and they're like all right jump on and they went down to uh I think down to the Caribbean and he spent the first week of that trip puking his guts up <laughs> from seasickness he, he didn't even do anything he was just underneath making the place stink and he just thought i 
feel the lowest I've ever felt in my life right now because not only is he not able to help, but he's just taken up weight. He's getting sick under the boat. But he, I, I, you know, from what he told me, he needed that. That yeah. was his kind of trial by fire to be like, you know, he could have easily at that point gone, no, I'm going back. I'm running home. Uh, you know, this was, this is too much. Well, I'm kind not of. Can't get off the boat. Well, there's that too. <laughs> well, there's one way to get off the boat, but it wouldn't have been, I, I wouldn't be here <laughs> if that was the case. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's, I, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of lessons in that. And, you know, I think it's easy for people to say easier said than done, but I, th- I think the, the, the real, the real kind of essence of what we're talking about is just, you never know till you actually give it a try. Otherwise, you can have that regret for the rest of your life. Yeah. And you got to give it a try and you got to throw your entire self into it. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what I say. You know, if you can, if you can find what you want to do, which, you know, I'm, I, my, my boys are 22 and 20. And through this uh, coronavirus lockdown, we've been spending a lot of time together and it's been a great opportunity for them to ask a lot of questions. And I'm mm. quite surprised at the stuff that they're asking me. Um, but it's, we, we've had a lot of conversations on mindset. We've had a lot of conversations on these type of things. And, um, you know, it's not easy. It's, it's not easy. I mean, I, I remember what it's like to be a 22 year old and, and to be looking at, at your life and, and just be kind of wondering what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? What is it that I'm here for? What's a good choice? You have so many opportunities in front of you that, what do you do? Right. And it's just been a, it's been an interesting time like that um, with them <laughs> for sure. But we've, we've been talking about a lot of this kind of stuff. Mm. That's uh that's fantastic. I know, I know we did an episode a couple of weeks back about, you know, all the parents that have their kids at home right now and, you know, maybe things that were behind locked doors are no longer locked anymore because, you know, <laughs> everyone's spending so much time together. So it's great to hear that you're able to have, kind of have those conversations and engage them in kind of ask the question, like, you know, what do you think it is for you? You know, what do you think that path's going to be? Like that, that's a real gift. They're They're asking you. They're asking me, which is, which is different. Like I'm not asking them that because I I was so lost at their age. I don't think that they have a path. (laughs) I mean, you know, but they do, they're doing way better than, than I was doing. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're asking me, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, you know, one thing I wanted to, to, to just touch on quickly as well, you know, you we were talking before about the, uh, you know, the company, the company we keep and, and, you know, having those positive influences, the people that are, let's just say, you know, their trains are flying as well and you get to enjoy success together. And then you have them with you when you have those kind of upper level moments of, you know, doubt or resistance. and I've gotten a lot of joy spending time working out with you guys in the morning because I don't, I don't think I've met a single person <laughs> at, at, your, at your shed to work out that isn't just there to spur everyone on. Right. You know, we sweat together. We sometimes bleed together. You know, we, we, we support each other even, and, you know, we push each other when the, when, the, when the push is necessary. But you've created a community of people that, you know, to me, in my judgment, the fitness is just a bonus. I think yeah. what they're turning up for is that camaraderie and that, that, that environment you've created for them. Yeah, well, there's that for sure. So what we're talking about, I guess, if, you're, if, if you didn't know, um, I run a, uh, I, I created a, basically a CrossFit gym in my driveway that has more stuff than 
most CrossFit gyms. And there are about 50 people around town that show up at five o'clock in the morning and we work out until about seven. And you could have five people on a day. You could have 35 people on a day during the lockdown. It's been a little bit light. We've been very careful of how we're doing this. Um, we keep, we only work out outside. We keep a lot of room between us, but this has been going now for 13 years and it has grown. Uh, it has gone up. It's gone down. People have come, people have gone, new people come, old people stay, but it is a, it's an incredibly important part of my life. Mm. And this group is incredibly important to me. It is a social hour in the morning. We do some of the hardest workouts that anyone could imagine. Um, and yes, and the harder it is, the more people show up and there is a, it's an all men's group. It's, and, and we have built camaraderie like no other way. There's not a golf group out there that feels the way that these people do on a regular basis about each other. Um, and, and you know what, there's a lot of unspoken um, you know, circle time. Like, like I know you guys like sit and circle and talk about all kinds of things. You know, you tell tell your feelings. It's like this happens unconsciously and silently a lot of times. That you just look over and you're you're staring at a workout. Like one time, I thought it was a great idea on my birthday. Uh, I was driving my car. And I get this idea. My daughter's in the car seat in the back. And I go, oh, my, guess what, Hannah? I know what I'm going to do for my birthday. She says, what? And I said, I'm going to have a party. And we're going to do triple Murph. And she said, what's that? And I said, well, you do 100 pull-ups. Uh, you, you run a mile. You do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats. And then you run a mile. And we're going to do that three times. And she said, Dad, nobody's going to come. <laughs> and I said, well, I think they will. And so, you know, in a situation like that, you know, you're staring at this workout that seems impossible. And in fact, last year it was impossible for, for most of these people. And you just kind of glance over at the guy next to you and he's all in. And the guy behind you is all in and nobody's complaining and nobody's saying anything. It's like, we have committed to this and we're going to do it and we're going to do it together and everybody's going to get through it. And after we're going to have a great time and we're going to drink some beers and have a good, have a good time. But it's like this unspoken, you don't have to like bear your soul. You are bearing your soul yeah. every day. And you know, when somebody's not doing that, mm. but when you look around this group, man, everybody's giving it a hundred percent. And, and it's special. It's a special, special kind of deal, man. And, uh, very lucky to have that in my life. That, that is my gift to give, like in, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, you know, the fishing, you know, I, I have a lot of gifts to give with the fishing and stuff like that, but that's, that's how I make my living. But my gift to give that, it, that I get nothing financially in return is, is this fitness group. Like this is my gift to give. I have the space for it. I have something wrong in my head that has allowed me to pursue fitness until, down many, many incorrect paths and, and injured myself in all kinds of different ways. I'm 50, 52 years old and, and I'm in great shape and what I do works. And I can share that with 
others. And um, that's, that's it, man. That's my gift to give. And it has, it has been nothing short of, you know, the kind of thing, you know, if you give something, you get 10 times in return. Well, this has been 10 million times in return. Um, and, and it's been in one of the most rewarding things in my whole life, other, outside of having children and, and, and getting married. And, you know, this, it, this group is that important to me. That is a fantastic example of what it means to take one of your interests or your passions and, and, and not have to make a, you know, make a living off it, but allow it to be a part of your life, mm-hmm. which, you know, that that's because, I mean, could you imagine waiting until you retire at 60 and going, oh, now I'll start a gym in my garage right. when, when, when the body might not be as willing as the mind is. And, right. and, and you just like, well, let's just start Call three mates start in the garage and look what it's grown to. Right. So fantastic yeah, but, example. But you could still start at 60. Oh yeah. If that's what you want to do. It's yeah. never too late. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people think, thank it you. Is too yeah. late. But it's never too late. But, yeah. but the whole point is like, you know, when I started this thing, you know, you come and look at my driveway now and it's, I mean, seriously got more equipment than most CrossFit gyms because we all train at the same time. So we've got to have 15 rolling machines. Most gyms have about six or seven, you know, because they have multiple classes all through the day. So they can have six people coming 10 times a day. Well, they can of course train more people, but we train one time a day and we need a lot of gear. So we just make some donations and I buy the gear and it lives at my house. It's everybody's. It's not mine. It's everybody's, Mm -hmm. but it started with literally a pair of 35 pound dumbbells and a pair of 50 pound dumbbells. And that's all we had. And it just, that's how it started. And just month after month, year after year, just cobbled together a few things. Some things are given, you know, a lot of people are like, man, these dumbbells, my wife's had them under the bed. Do you want them? Yeah, sure. And they end up over here and then other stuff ends up over here. And then you pick some stuff up at a garage sale and then, and then, you know, you buy some stuff and then, you know, I don't know. Next thing you know, you're, my wife's like, okay, this is spiraled completely out of control. <laughs> and it has. Um, so, Shall we mention the real hero in, yeah, uh, in all of this? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course she's a saint. You know, but I think that she sees as well that mm. that this has a ripple effect throughout the community that mm. uh, is is big. And you know, this group, like we do a lot of community service too. Like if if uh, if some you know the schools called us a number of times, they had a a truckload of pumpkins that they needed to get out of the out of the truck and onto the lawn so they could sell them. You know, well that's great for us. We make an assembly line. We throw those pumpkins out. We clean that truck out in no time flat. But you know, we can we can use that in in a lot of ways. And we've done it to move people. We've done it to um, help schools. We've done it to to help the the uh, you know in the in this lockdown. We we loaded up buses full of food. You know, if you need some muscle and it's for a good cause, we're we're a pretty good phone call to make. Yeah. And and enjoy it. You know, it's really cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Tommy. That's awesome, and and so it might, I think that's a perfect place to uh, to wrap things up, um, mate. What what an episode! Mm-hmm. It's been so great uh, to spend was, this time with you. I hope it was good. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, absolutely, me too. And uh, so before we wrap up, mate, tell us how we can all uh, you know stay you know stay in touch and follow your journey and uh, where we can find out more about you. Okay, well, 
there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, my Instagram is the is the social media that I like the most. That's Tom underscore Roland R O W L A N D. Um, the show is called Saltwater Experience. We're big on Instagram there. Saltwater underscore Experience. There's another one into the blue. There's another one called Sweetwater. And then you can go and check out our digital network by going to waypointtv.com. And then, of course, I have the podcast. And the podcast is where you can get to know me quite a bit better than any of those other ways because the television show is 22 minutes and 30 seconds and we got to tell a story and mm. really there's not a lot of time. So that's what started me wanting to do a podcast was to be able to go into, into um, all kinds of different subjects and all kinds of different uh, things much deeper than the television has ever allowed me to. So that's called Tom Roland Podcast, iTunes. And uh, I don't know, if you can't find that, just Google Tom Roland and I'm not the mayor of Cleveland, Tennessee. That's the other Tom Roland. <laughs> you can find me. I'm out there. This has been the Mankind Podcast produced in association with the Mankind Project USA. I have been your host, Brandon Clift, and I personally want to thank our guests for joining us today and imparting their wisdom from their experiences in this amazing journey called life. And of course, I want to thank you, the listener, because through your attention and your support, you make it a heck of a lot easier for us to let men out there in the world know that they are not alone and that there is more than one way to be a man. Special thanks, of course, goes to my incredible team, Marketing and Communications Director Boyson Hodson, Producer and Editor of this episode, Michael Russo, who makes me sound so much more intelligent than I actually am. So, of course, special kudos goes there. And if you've been enjoying the music throughout this episode and all of our episodes, check out Jim Donovan and the Sun King Warriors. I have links to them in the show notes. Now, the fee for this episode is simple. If you found gold and insights that you believe could benefit your loved ones and those you care about, be sure to share it with them. And of course, remember that life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. So long as we rip the pen out of fate's hand, and become the author of our own story. So my friend, pick up the pen, and we'll see you next week. Lots of love.